everyone, and welcome to another episode of Planet Centered Care, a podcast about sustainable healthcare from the BMG. I'm Lauren DeFreitas, a freelance clinical editor in the education section of the BMG, and I'm based in Trinidad and Tobago. And I'm joined by my co-host Florence. Hi everyone, I'm, my name's Florence Webmore. I'm a medical registrar in London and a sustainability fellow at the BMJ. Thanks Flo, um, it's great to have you here again for another episode. So how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm okay. I have been struggling a little bit with um, some of the extreme weather that we've, we've been having, um, you know, really making us think about um, about what the kind of climate change is and why we're doing or trying to do what we are doing. You know, I, I definitely think for us, and um, hopefully for a lot of other people, that it's sort of a wake-up call as to what's actually happening. Um, mm. I know with some of my colleagues in the Caribbean, it is sort of a realisation that climate change is here and we are being affected, um, which is good and bad. Um, good that people are waking up bad that we're all being affected but yeah so good that we're we're having all these podcasts and discussing it um and discussing ways in which we can play our part play our role to to help the situation yeah totally and it's it's made me think a little bit about probably just acknowledging in terms of the you know the episodes we've recorded so far and, and the kind of conversations we have like we've been really focusing on some of those small changes um and i think it's worth kind of acknowledging, I guess, that tension between those perhaps smaller, although, you know, quite impactful projects that people are doing versus the big kind of structural changes that we all know needs to happen. Um, And yeah, again, I don't know if that's something you've you've kind of thought about before. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I think there's a lot of benefit to doing small projects and starting off small, because I think it's important to remember that sometimes small actions can have um, large reactions then, right? Um, I think there's a lot of benefit to doing small projects because it gives you the opportunity to test the waters, um, maybe figure out how many things that you need, what sort of resources Mm. you need to get something done. And generally, I think small projects can finish in a shorter space of time. So that small win could be motivating to you, your team, to others who are watching what you're doing. Um, So I think it is important and we shouldn't forget that, yeah, just because it's small doesn't mean it's not going to have an impact um, on what we're doing. Yeah, and it really, so that really nicely links to what we're going to be talking about today, um, which the kind of episode of, uh, title of this episode was originally going to be, like, it's good for staff, so sustainable healthcare and getting involved in it can be very good for staff. and also perhaps can be actually joyful. And we sort of touched on this a bit um, when Anna was talking about singing for breathing last week and the kind of joy that it brings to, to patients, but also the, you know, the staff involved in it. Um, so yeah, so I think again, you know, bringing back to kind of how we've been feeling this week, that kind of oddness of like the fear of what's happening in the world and the changes in the weather and so on, versus saying, oh, well actually do this thing and, and um, you know, maybe it can bring you joy. I think that will come up in our conversation a bit today. So we have um, two really great guests with us today. Looking forward to hearing from them and about the work that they're involved in. So we're going to let them introduce themselves now. Oh, hi. Yes, I'm David Smith. I'm a general surgeon at uh, North York General Hospital 
in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And uh, yeah, happy to be here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Um, my name is Tracy Lyons and I'm a medicines optimization pharmacist and I work in beautiful Dorset in the south of England. Awesome, it's great. It's good to have both of you here today and we're definitely looking forward to hearing more about each one of your stories. Um, so we're going to start off with um, David. Just to get a little bit more background into your journey and how you got involved in cinema in sustainable healthcare. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, no, I have um, probably it goes back maybe a little over a year ago. I mean, I've been involved with quality improvement and uh, the quality agenda per se and more traditional metrics of quality for a number of years as a participant in the American College of Surgery NISQIP, which is a national surgical quality improvement program. And so I had many, many years to sort of look at quality gaps and data that informs those gaps and how we can close them with frontline multidisciplinary teams. And, and you know, many of that uh, was rewarding and we, we improved things like surgical site infections. But about a year ago, I, I actually had a conversation with my nephew and we were talking about the climate crisis. And as an engineer, I was asking him what he was going to do to solve the crisis for us. And and he became quite agitated that I would ask that question as opposed to reframing it like, what are we going to do together to solve this problem? And I think he pointed out the irony that as a healthcare provider, with a, uh, as a champion of quality, that uh, sustainability wasn't an obvious project for me to be working on. So I think it was at that point where we sort of, I, I sort of took a new look at whether I could uh, do my bit. And what did that look like? What was, so what led on from that conversation? Well, at first, it was, um, you know, timing's everything. I mean, I think at first I wasn't quite sure, to be honest. I hadn't imagined that I might be able to join and lead some of these conversations, but it was fortuitous that I, I, I shortly thereafter had a conversation with a colleague, uh, um, Hussein Molo was a colleague, and he, he introduced me to the notion of uh, planetary health or healthcare teams that are, are trying to... Um, contribute to uh, solutions to the climate crisis and he felt that you know we needed frontline voices to do that and and that um, it was important that we realized there was actually an enormous footprint that healthcare providers make all the while they're trying to make patients lives better we we have a tradition of discounting the amount of waste we create as we do that so he got me thinking about it and and then uh, shortly thereafter I, I met uh Another um, individual that's become a partner in our efforts from uh, Cascades, which is a program in Canada that's committed to kind of trying to recreate uh, the Canadian healthcare system to be more sustainable. And so suddenly we had the the platform to, uh, you know, look at whether we could take methodologic steps and do something. And maybe we'll hear a little bit more about your project that you, you got involved in in a second. Um, but Tracy, do you want to tell us a bit about your story and, and how you first got involved? And Yes, yeah, so uh, I had a very joyful youth. I uh, did a lot of time traveling, almost as much as I uh, spent working in pharmacy. And I had this one particular summer in France, which was just beautiful. I lived in the mountains, you know, there were lakes everywhere. It was gorgeous. Um, but it was at the year that a really intense heat wave hit France and people died in their thousands. And it was a total wake up call for me. You know, I think one of my 
messages I'm really keen to impart to people is that, you know, when the media report on climate change, they talk about it as an environmental issue, don't they? But it really hit home for me at that point that this was a health issue because the roads were melting in the midday sun and, you know, we couldn't get ambulances out to people. Um, You know, people were dying in their homes that summer in France. And I suddenly thought, my God, this is this is the the most important health issue I can work on. You know, what can I do? Um, and I had a couple of years where I almost thought about giving up healthcare, and I was going to go and devote myself to um, an environmental organisation, and you know, thinking of anything I could do. And then I suddenly thought, you know, this is where the two worlds merge. This is where um, this is how we give healthcare to as many people as possible by tackling climate change. So um, I came back home to the UK and um, I started networking with other like-minded people. Um, but the real um, the real key turning point for me was in 2020, yes, um, I met through the power of Twitter with a bunch of other pharmacy professionals and we, we started this group called Pharmacy Declares. Um, and they have literally just been life-changing and we have develop this national network, even international now, because we have partners in America and Australasia and Europe, um, devoted to um, climate conscious action within the pharmacy profession. Um, and, you know, we focused on uh, uh, declarations of climate emergency from our professional bodies, um, divestment of fossil fuels from those bodies. Um, and then once we realised that we, we'd achieved all of that, we realised we had all of these phenomenal people in the room that were also interested in making healthcare more sustainable. And, you know, and that's where the work has really blossomed and, and has grown over the last few years. Amazing. And um, probably there'll be lots of our listeners who are going through something similar at the moment, sort of thinking, okay, well, hang on a second. What what can I do? Um, and then and that, that kind of like personalising it of like, okay, well, I could go and join an environmental group, but then actually maybe doing something within the, my professional role has, has a real, a, like a unique position to be able to make a change. Oh, and I think that's a, that's a really key point, isn't it? So, you know, I think um, I've seen somebody else in a speech say, you know, every job is a climate job now everyone can contribute um and i think you just have to find your unique um uh point your unique um entry into climate action whichever role you're in yeah i just want to pick up on something that um that tracy said you said you there was a period of time where you were thinking of giving up pharmacy but then you were able to merge the two worlds the environmental aspect with your your medical as- um medical role so do you think you're happier now um, in your current role? Absolutely, because, you know, the worst thing in the world is to have a problem that you can't do anything about, isn't it? Um, and once you realise that you have this way of tackling the problem, my goodness, like we, we have this um, almost like a mantra within our group that action mitigates anxiety. And so once you've worked out what you can do, um, you know, it gives you, I don't know, for me personally, it wakes me up in the morning. It gives me drive because I know exactly what I want to do, what I want to achieve and, and why. Um, you know, and that's really uplifting for so many people that I found in our network. And just to go back to David, I think you've talked a bit about kind of the how you came to this and um what was the next step after that? What was the sort of project that you ended up taking on and, and how did that impact on you and also on the staff where you work? Yeah, I mean, I was um, 
we were just coming out of the pandemic and, um, you know, we were very mindful of our frontline uh, staff in hospitals being really at their wits end. There was a lot of burnout. There were a lot of shortages. Um, so it was, uh, it was it was definitely a time where we weren't even sure if we should be doing any quality improvement because it would we were very mindful of the fact that one more thing might be just too much at that time. But our next step was I decided to do a walkabout where I pretended really to be a patient going to our hospital and we walked to the front door and I, I went to registration and at each stop as I went to there to where the patients get interviewed and then changed and then have their procedure be it an endoscopy or some kind of day surgery and then change back into their clothes and go back out the door. I just met this frontline staff and, and I asked them what what waste do they see and really was surprised how um, um, how much they had a very clear answer, how much it was really the source of frustration um, and anxiety to them because they had seen it for some time. It's just ne- it was never really uh, the focus of anything. So at that point, you know, we we recognize that when we see patients at the hospital and probably typical to anyone else, when they come in, we give them two large plastic garment bags, one for their shoes and one for their clothes. And then uh, 20 or 30 minutes later, when they finish the procedure, those bags typically end up in the garbage and then landfill. And and that was the source of enormous frustration to our frontline staff who had been watching this for decades. And when I did a little data check, it turned out that at our hospital alone, we would go through 120,000 of those bags a year and a third of that in our surgical perioperative program. So that's when we recognized we could we could look at plastic waste as a as a project. Wow, really makes you, it really it really drives home the point, doesn't it? That like you can do all this stuff in your personal life, but if you can make a change like this, you know, we all try and not have plastic bags when we go to the supermarket and all this stuff. But like, what one hundred twenty thousand plastic bags is just such a huge number. It's the impact. Just if you if you make these changes at work, the impact is just sort of transformative comparatively. Yeah, I mean, if I if I can just add, like it adds to Tracy's sort of professional share and our professional nurses and team attendants and orderlies and whatnot, like they found this was a source of anxiety. Like it would upset them. It would literally make them feel unwell because in their own personal life, they would not do this. But for some reason, when you go into a healthcare setting, it was tolerated or not even on the radar. And and, uh, so we realized that it was, it was just ironic that, you know, in a business where you're making people's lives better, we were, totally oblivious to the damage we were doing to the planet yeah i, I think that's um it's re- actually really fascinating david um and then just hearing about the views from your frontline staff that it was causing them anxiety it was so different to their personal lives is it then that like when you started off with your projects is it fair to say it was easy to engage the staff then like everybody was already on board yeah, I mean, in our experience, uh, we, um, we we were very sensitive to t- teasing that out with a short, small trail, trial because we knew we didn't have the bandwidth and the frontline didn't have the capacity to do a bad change. Um, so it had to be a good one. Um, but when they sort of shared that this was their personal passion to reduce this plastic bag waste, we... we 
we were hopeful. And then when we did a one week trial just with my patients, um, you know, 20 patients and made a simple ask of the patient to bring their own reusable bags, one big enough for their clothes, one big enough for their shoes. And then uh, I just did a simple survey with uh, each of those patients and, and each of the handful of staff that encountered them that week to really just ask, you know, how concerned they are about plastic waste and uh, how uh, was it easy to, to bring uh, a reusable bag and did they find it rewarding to be a part of it? And it was at that point when 90% of patients and 90% of providers at the front line said it was easy, it was rewarding. Um, we knew that we had a, a, a good one, so to speak, in terms of a, a change that we could do, maybe a first step to making our perioperative program more sustainable. I really like that. I have to say, I really, really do like that because what you're describing, um, you know, are really simple changes that anyone can implement in their own setting. Um, and it can have that big impact in the end, 120,000 plastic bags a year. We've had the same same sort of situation and response. I don't know if you found this, David, is that um, actually people are so keen to do something if given the opportunity that even when people are really stressed and you know people are worried about finance and workload this is something that brings real pleasure to work um you know and they can see a change and it's something they have autonomy over um and we had almost like a, a flip side to the problem is that we went out and spoke to staff about changes they'd like to make to make healthcare more sustainable and it was like an avalanche of ideas that people really wanted to deliver you know that some of them were really small but they were all brilliant and it just showed that people really cared um and you know in um in a world where we're constantly talking about you know work burden and financial pressures it was just this really pleasurable conversation and everyone was really keen to get on board so it's nice to know that it's happening in different departments all all around the world well, Tracy, I think you're you're right, and um, you know at the at the crux of it all, I mean, many of us are are tasked with trying to build out the capacity of the front line to do quality improvements, whatever that that need is in their local environments, and um, so yeah, I mean, most people would say it's hard work to try and build out a team and the capacity for that, and I agree with you hundred percent. Like I would say that um, everybody's involved with this simple project. They are more than um, willing to sort of share how they think it should be rolled out, how it should be documented when patients registered. And I think at the end of the day, it's much more important that, you know, it's the reducing the number of bags is obviously important, but every patient that comes in is asked, did you bring your own bag? And they're... What, what started to open up was that meant we were starting a conversation about sustainability with every patient. What was really fascinating was those patients would start to share this very positive feedback that they were thrilled that we were doing this, that it's about time, that they, they'd never seen this before. And it was almost as though their view of the care we were given was elevated because we took this stand. And so we, we feel like if we see 3,000 patients um, a month in that program, the, the more important thing is we start 3,000 conversations. And our frontline mm -hmm. providers are saying, you know, for years, especially in the pandemic, the conversations were always heavy. They were always negative. It was really hard to sort of um, have those conversations. And now the patients are so impressed. They're so happy we're doing something um, that they say there's, there's volumes of positive conversations being started. And the data that we can get from a simple question when they register at the hospital, did you bring your own reusable bag, yes or no, becomes 
what we believe is some of the first patient-level specific sustainability data that is fitting into quality platforms and quality agendas um, quite easily. And just think of the ripple effects, you know, like, and because you're platforming sustainability from a healthcare professional, you know, and so, you know, you, you give it this, this kudos, you give it this, uh, uh, the ability for patients to go in and talk about what their healthcare teams have done. You know, the, the ripple effects are going to be enormous, aren't they? I just, I mean, there's loads of positivity coming out here, which is obviously lovely. I just wonder if, if either of you or, or Lauren, to be honest, have got any thoughts about, because... This is something that I, I've experienced as well and encountered is that there's lots of people with lots of ideas and people want to do stuff. But And there is obviously lots happening, but there's also a lot of people who are in that stage where they, you know, they can see that there is something they they care about this and they want to be doing something, but they aren't yet. Like what, why is that? And, and how can we help more people to, to kind of cross that barrier to, to doing something? It does require, I think, being in communication with the very front line that you're going to be act, asking to do the change. I mean, I think every local environment is is definitely going to have um, their challenges, but also their opportunities. I mean, and I think that's why starting with a simple conversation of like, what do you see that is a source of frustration that maybe we could turn into a source of inspiration? And that's why I think the power of starting small and having something... Um, because it's fair to say most workplaces are um, pretty pretty exhausted, and so it. But the to me the number one thing is starting the conversation and identifying what matters to them, and then giving it a equally small trial. I mean, I think it's wrong to try and change the whole system this week, but you might just have a little fun with your office, then your division, then your department. And then at that point, I think it takes on a momentum. I mean, most people, and I think Tracy spoke about um, collaborations and different relationships you have. And then, you know, I think there are those people that have those wider um, uh, uh, contacts and you can go to them and everyone's looking for a good story. So if you can show that it works well in your little program and then you can go to the provincial or national conversations and say you probably want a good one too well here's our experience with bring your own reusable bag and i find most times they're they're curious like it catches their attention just how uh, free easy already socializing grocery stores how easy it would be to do and and really at no downside so I think that was what contributed to our momentum. Oh, thanks, David. Um, we've actually got a little voice clip of one of your nurses who, who was involved in this project and talking a bit about the impact that it had upon her. Should we, should we have a listen to that? Hello, my name is Anya and I am an RN working in the perioperative services in Toronto, Canada. I think the most exciting part about the Bring Your Own Bag initiative was how quickly it became the new norm. You would walk patients over to get changed and pass over the plastic bag each time. It feels good knowing that it's one less piece of plastic floating around in the world somewhere for the next 200 years. I remember when we first started asking, and almost no one had it with them, some patients were even taken back when we asked. Now it's so normalized and easy. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the patients as well. I think most people are aware of the impact by now. The signs everywhere help too. It's a good visual representation of how a small change can divert tons of garbage. 
During my years working in the emergency department, it was often so distressing to grab the piles of plastic garbage after any procedure, and especially a code, and you just felt a little powerless to do anything about it. So it's been empowering to make a change in the workplace that compounds every single day into a positive direction. It's nice to reconcile the cognitive dissonance, too, between all the efforts to lower our environmental impact at home and the incredible amount of waste generated in the workplace. And Tracy, any thoughts on, on that question? Of- oh, momentum, yeah. <laughs> we chat about this all of the time in Pharmacy Declares. Because um, basically, we've all gone along the same path and you know even when I came back from France it makes it sound like I came back and I was on this crusade it's not it's not the case at all I came back and I hung around in loads of other um, medical professional groups listening to what was going on and I remember so clearly the generosity of time that people um, gave to me in talking me through what I was feeling and what I wanted to do and over time, my confidence just grew and it meant that I could take the next steps. And actually, so what we've discovered now within the Pharmacy Declares community is, you know, we have some national leaders there developing these incredible policies and, you know, um, really revolutionizing the face of healthcare. But we also have this vast community of people that just sit and watch. Um, you know, and it, we, th- we feel that Oh, I, and I definitely feel that our job is to, you know, tap the potential of those people. And for a lot of the time, it's, you know, if you're in a leadership position, you say to me, you know, go and talk to people, find out what they care about. Um, and a lot of the time we find it's people really, really want to get involved, but they just don't have the confidence at that point to do something. So, you know, we find to get the amplification uh, and the momentum a lot of the time it's really just you know talking to people finding out what they feel comfortable doing there and then showing what's already been done before say like you know with David's project showing them how they can replicate it locally and it's all about giving people the confidence to step forward and we've had these really uh like I was chatting to somebody the other day about somebody else who's in the group and she started off as very quiet. And now she's a spokesperson for, you know, air pollution and reducing it in terms of benefit to healthcare. And it's all happened because we have this amazing community where everyone supports each other with time and knowledge. And I think that's the way, you know, you really sort of like increase the activity within sustainability. Yeah, if I could just build on Tracy's comments about confidence and then um, amplifying your message. I mean, one one thing, uh, the very first conversation I had uh, with one of our early champions, uh, Hussein Willow, and I chatted a little bit about what QI um, experiences we had and platforms we had. And he reminded me that it's um, as soon as you start the conversation and are willing to lean in, you are suddenly... Uh, credible, like I mean, and and don't blink. But in a week or two or three of these conversations, you have accumulated the the confidence. Um, but at in on on Canada, there's a the Cascades is is a educational group. Like basically, they're here to support all people. And I found that what they offered was a a course in sustainable fundamental principles. So in this free two to four hour virtual course, you'd go in, have the kind of conversations we're having now, do a couple of exercises here, a couple lectures, but make uh, contacts and sort of join a community of people that are doing this. And you came out of there definitely feeling credible. 
I mean, I think when I think of how that then turned into the confidence to go back with our local project and, and I mean, probably everybody does work in some kind of collaboration in Ontario. We have, we call it the Ontario Surgical Quality Improvement Network. And, you know, every year they do a campaign and every year they're trying to feel the pulse of what does the, the people of Ontario want? What do the quality action teams want to do? And so we proposed this and after hearing again, they are like, this sounds like something we ought to be doing. So suddenly we had, we had that platform yeah, that's brilliant. It's a really interesting thought. I And actually, to be honest, not one that's really come up for me before is that confidence. Um, and yeah, as you're both saying, it's, it, you know, how do you get people to feel confident? And maybe acknowledging that it's okay not to be confident to start with, I think is probably what partly what you're saying, Tracy, is like... To- like to- totally. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, we were chatting before um, in the run up to this, weren't we? And I said, you know, that... Um, I hung back for a long period of time because I thought you know, to be doing anything useful in the field of sustainability, I probably had to have a postgraduate MSc in um, sustainability sciences. I needed to be, you know, like top of my profession. And actually, no, that's what not what's needed. We need just people doing whatever they can wherever they can um and you need i think you just need to be honest about where your your limit of your knowledge lies and you go and network with people who've got the knowledge that you don't really similar to david um i did a course at the center for sustainable healthcare in the uk um, and it sounds very similar to the course that you did david but they highlighted the four key ways that you make healthcare sustainable so it's you know like empowering patients preventing the need for healthcare in the first place is the first one you know reducing waste in a system and then using low carbon technologies and i use those four areas in um education sessions for the new staff that i run um you know monthly um and it's almost like a penny drop moment for a lot of people because they think are a lot of people think that they have to develop a new low carbon inhaler or a new low carbon drug to be sustainable. But actually, if you can say to them, actually, if you have a project like this where you reduce waste in a system or you prevent a a patient needing to, you know, traverse the local area six times to get to the healthcare they need, that's sustainability. And it's just amazing. You see the light come on in people's eyes and they go, ah, what I'm doing is sustainable healthcare. And so they've named what they're doing and then they can go away and talk about it with their colleagues. Yeah, I, I would I would say probably when I think of the platform, most people have a, a Celebrate Earth Day in some way in their respective organizations. And every everybody wants a little example of something that their frontline's doing. So no matter how small, if you can package it together and share with your communications people, and it turned out that our hospital was thrilled to hear that their frontline people were, were seeing an issue and coming up with strategies to, and they wanted to celebrate it. So it, it's, it's, it's really great. And I think that the only currency you need is a little bit of anxiety about the issues and knowing that you don't want to spend the rest of your life feeling that anxiety. And, and many people have said that you can convert that eco-anxiety into eco-action and, and suddenly you're just busy doing stuff contributing to the solutions as opposed to worrying every day about you know the bad things that you see in the news so Laura let's let's just take a moment's break um it's really interesting conversation so far I think what are your thoughts yeah I'm definitely enjoying this conversation um definitely learning a lot from our guests today what's interesting though is um the two different approaches I guess that each one of them is taking so what I'm hearing from Tracy is sort of that high level approach um, things that 
might not be within the direct control of a clinician, but your voice as a staff member would be heard to try to influence um, changes at sort of that high level or that operational level um, compared to David, who's doing some of those more practical on the ground frontline things that the average individual clinician um, could probably achieve. And I think that's that's really interesting because, you know, some of us, we, we, we probably want to achieve all of that. We want to be able to, to do mm. both, achieve the high level and the day-to-day practical things. Um, but then depending on the circumstances, we might not be able to do that. So it's really interesting to hear the different approaches and figure out, you know, when one might be uh, more achievable over the other. Um, and it's also something that I think I struggle with or, or the people I'm, I talk to here because uh, I find a lot of people want to do that high level activity and make those big changes, introduce the renewable energy and so on. Whereas mm. I, <laughs> my personal interest is in the little things that we can do on a day-to-day basis. Um, but maybe it's all related to um, that confidence factor in terms of what we think we can achieve <laughs> by ourselves. Yeah, completely. And like, I guess it's not having a hierarchy between the two. It's something, you know, they're both important and it's different people. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. It, it's probably not one or the other. Um, it's both. It's on a spectrum. Um, and maybe sometimes we start at one end one day and then the other end the next day. Uh, so understanding what our staff needs are and um, educating people is actually something that's being talked about a lot um, in the organizations that I'm with. Uh, and trying to figure out, yeah, how, how do we educate staff and how do we get um, sustainable healthcare into into medical curriculums? So Tracy, you know, could you tell us anything about any of the projects that you're working on that sort of involve educating staff um, or introducing sustainable healthcare into the pharmacy curriculum in the UK? What I would have to say is we started off with these three clear aims. One was divestment of fossil fuels because you know we feel that um, everything else is hypocrisy if you're not doing that because you know it's like a healthcare company having investments in tobacco or the arms trade you just wouldn't do it you know these investments are going to kill millions and millions of people so we ask for our professional bodies to divest from fossil fuels and I'm just delighted to say that we're now at 17 million pounds divested um, and which is just incredible. And we went to this, I remember at one particular meeting where the decision was made to divest and we we're all on mute. We weren't allowed to speak, which was probably a good thing because it would have been, you know, a, a riotous party when they made the announcement. Um, but, you know, people were crying. And um, afterwards, I had messages from members of the board saying, you know, you know, I can go home and I can look my children in the eye now. You know, that is just a, a wonderful thing. And I thought actually at that moment, if my uh, professional career stopped, that would just be an incredible achievement to know that I could carry forward. Um, we are, we asked for a uh, de- uh, declaration of climate emergency because we feel that this is like having a medical diagnosis. You know, the, the solution to climate change is going to require profound change for people. Um, but, you know, you have to name the problem so that pe- people can respond appropriately. And I'm delighted to say that we've we've lost count of the bodies that have declared an emergency now, which is wonderful. So that provides leadership. Um, and that led us on to our third uh, ask was that all of our bodies provide, provide leadership 
and climate education. Um, and the, the really amazing thing was that we did ask this of our professional bodies and they have responded incredibly. So hats off to them. But what we found out was actually it was the people within our group that went on to provide most of the leadership and the education. And so, um, you know, just as an example, one of my colleagues, Mina, I set up a um, sustainability and pharmacy education group. And she uh, collaborated with individuals at all of the, the UK pharmacy schools. Um, and they, uh, they have someone there who's invested in sustainability and they're building sustainability into their research programs and the way that they teach. And they made recommendations to the, the General Pharmaceutical Council about building sustainability into the undergraduate education uh, curricula. And those recommendations have just been accepted. So going forward, every pharmacy professional that goes through university in the UK will have sustainability built into their education, um, which is just, you know, an amazing achievement. That's amazing. <laughs> That's actually really amazing. Oh, we're, honestly, the, the work of the group is just mind-blowing and they're really they're a really enthusiastic group and they want to do something so we're hoping that they go back to their respective universities um, and they almost like set off little explosions <laughs> of sustainability action wherever they go david is there anything else that you all are working on or any next projects that are coming up that you want to quickly talk about yeah, I mean, we we just followed the, the walkabout and went to the next staff intersection. And our next stop for our patients was where they get their pre-medications uh, in a big styrofoam cup, a little sip of water. And then after their procedures, they get another big styrofoam cup and uh, for half a cup of water. And, and that was the next front lines share was that they were just thoroughly disappointed that their garbages would fill up day over day over day with styrofoam cups when the rest of society had clearly become socialized to bringing reusual, re, their own you know, reusable water bottles whenever they go. So that's our current project. We're just sort of building off of the reusable bag and, and trying to tap into society, like what our children are doing in their, in their grade schools already. We're just trying to bring that into healthcare. And we've sent out a similar ask in our patient communications, please bring your own reusable water bottle. and. Uh, and we document it in a similar way. And it's it's taking off at a similar trajectory in terms of patient and provider engagement. But what's fascinating about it now is that the patients are waking up from their sedation. And we always thought, well, you know, how will the staff know that the patient brought a bottle before they get them a disposable cup? And um, we, we have IT that actually built it into, we call it iView, it's an electronic medical record, so it's visible now if the patient brought their own reusable water bottle. But the patients are waking up and they're saying, no, thank you, I, I, don't, I don't want your styrofoam cup, I brought my own reusable bottle. So oh to God, hear the amazing. patients, yeah, the patients are now taking charge uh, and, and stating, I would prefer a more sustainable way of storing my garments and, and hydrating after my procedures that I can be proud of. And so we're really excited that that might be the second step and maybe the beginning of true culture change where everyone who may have in the past been hesitant to say this matters to us, you know, can lean forward and say, listen, we applaud any actions, but we, we also won't be quiet anymore about just sort of tolerating piles of waste that is, is, is not necessary. 
And David, are you totting up the sort of the plastic that you've saved or eliminated from doing all of this? Because that'd be a, an amazing thing to celebrate, wouldn't it? Yeah, we are. We just presented our bring your own reusable bag project at the American College of Surgery Quality and Safety Program. I mean, again, if you want evidence that it's um, people identify with it as a doable thing, um, the conference attendees, like they're from all over the world and there's posters, a big poster presentation and the, the conference attendees selected it as the top poster. So, I mean, it, oh, it, bravo. it well, it, it, I must admit we're, we're super proud of it, but I think of what to me more importantly, it is, you know, sometimes you'll talk to, um, you think it's the CEO that you maybe need to convince, but when the attendees are walking around and they, it catches their eye. Um, it tells you that the quality agenda and what matters to people, frontline staff, patients that we serve, and the people that do the QI work, when they're saying this is the kind of work we want to do and see more of, I think it's the source of uh, optimism. It's amazing. Congratulations on your... <laughs> and again, yeah, another bring, bringing back to this kind of idea of optimism and joy. I, w- I wonder, though, if it's like, do you think it's going to make it easier to make any changes inside the operating theatre? Like, you know, bringing in reusable equipment there or reusable drapes and so on. I know there's been lots of chat about that. Um, there was a recent paper that came out, in fact, in the Royal Society of Medicine looking at, at you know, the savings that could be made for those sort of changes as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, and and don't get me wrong, there's so many amazing projects going on and depending on your local site, um, so at our site, yeah, we have people and, and I think what's changed is now that they've seen a couple of examples of sustainability projects being successful, being celebrated and becoming the norm, they have that confidence to go ahead and say, oh, by the way, I want to do custom packs that are more efficient. There's no reason for this. And so we have that kind of thing going on. We have anesthesia saying there's absolutely no reason we have to use this toxic desflurane when we have a completely more planet friendly alternative. and. And on and on it goes. I mean, there's um, reusable uh, initiatives that Dr. Melissa Ho at our site is really championed that, you know, and you just sometimes stop and pause and you go, wow, like single use items, like, boy, they are the volumes and the, the, the volumes. So I think that that's one of the next conversations we need to have is how can we get um, shared positive conversations with our industry partners who themselves, I'm sure, want to be able to go home and, and uh, feel like they're doing their bit. It's going to take some time because, let's face it, I mean, as a, as a society, most businesses have driven the more is more, and we're trying to introduce the notion that less is more. So, but I'm confident that there is a way that all people will see, you know, this is how we want to brand ourselves in the OR, before the OR, after the OR, as an industry partner, as a quality improvement partner. So I think we just have to find that first win, first step for them and sh- and then sh- celebrate their stories. Totally. It comes back to the, you've, the ripple effect that Tracy said about right at the beginning. I think, you know, it's it's showing that one win and how much impact that can have. I'm... I have a final question, sorry, <laughs> which is, I think we've, we've talked a lot about kind of being in the position of somebody who is perhaps um, more junior or kind of feeling less empowered and kind of what they can do. You know, you never know, we might get some hospital chief execs or, you know, whatever it might be, kind of senior leaders 
you never know might be listening to this podcast <laughs> if you were to have a, 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 a message for them you know to say you know from your experience what what they could be doing to, to be maximizing this and and some of the benefits anything you would say to them and um, just start with Tracy Oh my goodness, I'd love to have that opportunity. So if any of them are listening, this is my message. Um, now, I would say, again, what we touched on earlier is that, you know, there is a lot going on at the moment, um, you know, inside work, you know, with, with enough with healthcare, but also with the climate at the moment, um, you know, because this this session is about joy in sustainability work, isn't it? But, you know, you can't have that conversation without acknowledging that climate change is really scary and we're probably we know we're not going to get the fairy tale ending that we really want but um actually what you what the staff that i work with want what the people i work with want is to do everything that we can to make a difference people know that climate change is happening and we know from national surveys in the uk that people are worried um but the thing they're really worried about is that people in charge are not doing anything about it um as a flip side, you know, David and I have both described today how when you do tackle it, people are overjoyed to be involved because they know it's making a difference. And the message is getting across that if you do sustainability uh, work, if you do sustainable improvement, it's not just looking after the person there in front of them. You know, you can turn around and say to your employees, I'm looking after you and everybody in your family and your life that you care about. You know, this is a, uh, a movement that will impact everyone that's important to you. Um, so I would say, you know, this is something that your staff will value um, and they'll bring positive benefits back to your organisation that will look after um, them and your patients. So, yes, please take it up. Please champion it. We know it's a it's a phenomenal win wherever you work. Thanks, Tracy. And, and David, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think um, sometimes as a frontline, we are mistaken to think that our executives aren't sort of rooting for the same kind of initiatives and sometimes we are surprised if we if we get into conversation with them like how much they are also behind this and I think if I was talking to the executives at the hospital I would just tell them that increasingly I believe our patients view the quality of our organizational product through a green lens and that um, you know there we're all committed to being the best um hospital and the best like deliver care at the highest quality and I think as of now and going forward this has to include sustainable obvious examples of sustainable change but I I believe the executives are also desperate for to make this change happen and I think they would be thrilled if there were local stories I can only imagine if Tracy uh, like the pharmacy association uh, would probably just be so thrilled that they could say this is what our pharmacy pharmacists are doing to um you know set the bar for action and i think that um probably everybody in the respective spot if you went to them say hey listen if you want a story for earth day here's a local one and we're pretty proud of it i bet you that those executives would be very supportive and then the momentum can go from there before we round off is there anything else just sort of coming out is there anything else that we've we've missed that you really wanted to get across or before I came to speak to you this evening, um, I spoke to my colleagues and my friends said, you know, I'm coming to speak to the BMJ. It's very exciting. Um, and, you know, we've had a week where we've been processing the climate news 
which is you know has, has hit us hard but you know the the key point is what do we do with the positivity where have we found joy in our work over the last few years and common themes arose in that actually when you you move into sustainability field um, quite often you've come from a place of loneliness and worry and concern but actually when you find each other you find yourself in this network of people who I would characterize without fault without a single exception as incredibly generous really determined to do something and you know it's really cheesy but you know you're working for this incredibly worthwhile cause that you know nothing is more important so there's that amazing someone described it as the coming together of all of these phenomenal people. And so um, that is what I would, that was the the shared message from all of us is that, you know, like start, you know, speaking your truth, come together with other people and, you know, it will really uh, make a big difference. Yeah, I agree with Tracy. I mean, it really is a wonderful space. I mean, it's a, it's a real burning platform and it's uh we've all been preparing for this and we all really want to feel like we're doing something good. And I think that it is joyous to, and the people in the community practice, it really is. Uh, I can say myself, like it's been a really inspired conversation that is, here we are, I'm talking to you across the pond. And, and I think, um, um, so yeah, I would encourage everybody to um, start the conversation and enjoy the, the uh, wherever that takes you. And that feels like a really nice, um, place to finish off um and so thank you to to tracy and to to david um and just lauren i guess any any reflections from the conversation today any takeaways that you're going to yeah take forward? um definitely despite uh feeling like i'm melting in the heat right now <laughs> um i have to say though that this has been actually a really positive motivational um conversation with both um tracy and david i i do feel as if it is possible um, and as David said doable you know to to do projects um, and make a difference um, and I like a phrase that David had used earlier to identify people's sources of frustration and turn it into sources of inspiration I think that's actually a really nice um, way to look at things and a way to approach a situation um, and and Flo I don't know if, if you've um, seen this as well, but in, in the conversation today, I think a lot of what um, came out was similar to what we discussed in previous episodes with the what's good for the patient is good for the planet. You know, when we mm. when we look at the patient perspective um, and we, we look for the patient's voice, as we've seen from both David and Tracy, you know, they're very much willing and interested in doing their part as well. And they're holding us accountable in a sense. Right. Um, and I think mm. so. I thought that was, you know, it's really interesting to see that that's the, the information that's coming out from other people. Um, I don't know if you like this so much, but and then <laughs> I just really like the, the, the small projects that because yeah. I think it is easier for in certain settings, depending on where you are, sometimes starting small is what is necessary or is the way to go um, to actually make a difference and to get more people involved mm. uh so yeah i think this is a very really motivating inspiring discussion today <laughs> yeah t- i mean there's quite a few bits in there isn't it i really like the ripple effect i i think about that quite a lot they're kind of 
and you know almost because it you have as a way of making myself feel better for everything I do do because I'm like well is it really you know is me not doing that one thing you know maybe more about the sort of changes in your personal life is me not flying on that one flight and then I think oh actually yeah there's a ripple effect in that um like international surveys always show you that healthcare professionals are amongst the most trusted people in our community so if we do something and talk about it you know we're already uh like demonstrating what can be done Mm. we validate other people's Mm. actions don't we yeah God, you've got so many good phrases, Tracy, <laughs> validating other people's actions. I love it. I was about to say, also, the sort of what you said at the beginning, like the worst thing is, is you know, feeling like you have a problem that you can't solve. Um, and and I think, again, this, this, yeah, it just comes up as to why why it's so important to to be, to give people something to do because, you know, there is the stuff that needs to happen at the high level, you know, the our house systems need to start buying totally renewable electricity and so on but like maybe that's going to be harder for you to influence but actually at the same time we need to do it all and and and, and give people something they can do um because i we've done a bit of rose tinted glasses here of like it's all easy and you know yes you're coming from this place of frustration and worry and anxiety but it's easy to make a change but it won't always be totally easy um but actually those people around you are, are there for when it's not easy and to be like ah oh, i've just had this really frustrating conversation and so on. um so yeah i think that's that's probably quite a lot of takeaways but but it is empowering <laughs> when tracy's lived experience certainly my own is that air quote saving the planet is fun actually if if it wasn't fun it wouldn't like we honestly wouldn't you know everybody's tired uh, but this is actually energizing and I think that that's why there's so many hard-working smart people that see opportunities to think that they can actually make their own life better while making the lives of others and the planet better I mean, I'm pretty positive that I'm optimistic that that's a that's a pretty good feeling as momentum mm. grows and more and more people choose that sort of feel good approach. Completely. And it's a really important reframe because so often, maybe politically, there's this kind of framing that, that you know, doing something for the planet means giving something up and, and making things worse for yourself. But we've all just had a whole long conversation for almost an hour about how actually this isn't it's 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 something that's bringing more to our lives rather than taking away and um, thank you so much to, to david and to tracy um for coming on today and for sharing all your stories and for everything that you're doing which is incredible um, and thank you to everyone who's listening um, to the latest episode of planet center care and um, which is the bmj's podcast on sustainable health care Um, So we've got some more episodes coming um, with some really interesting topics coming up. um, And you can also look at lots of information about the climate crisis um, and what you can do about it in sustainable healthcare on the BMJ's website and at um, the upcoming Net Zero Clinical Care Conference, which you can still register for online. So thanks again and see you next time.